chapter seven of the conquest of new france by george wrong this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven the expulsion of the acadians we have now to turn back over a number of years to see what has been happening in acadia that oldest and most easterly part of new france which in seventeen ten fell into british hands since the treaty of utrecht in seventeen thirteen the acadians had been nominally british subjects but the frenchman hardly less than the jew is difficult of absorption by other racial types we have already noted the natural aim of france to recover what she had lost and her use of the priests to hold the acadians to her interests the acadians were secure in the free exercise of their religion they had no secular leaders and few if any clergy of their own they were led chiefly by priests subjects of france who though working in british territory owned no allegiance to great britain and were directed by the bishop of quebec for forty years the question of the acadians remained unsettled under the treaty of seventeen thirteen the acadians might leave the country if they remained a year they must become british subjects when however in seventeen fifteen two years after the conclusion of the treaty they were required to take the oath of allegiance to the new king george i they declared that they could not do so since they were about to move to cape breton when george the second came to the throne in seventeen twenty seven the oath was again demanded still however the acadians were between two fires their indian neighbors influenced by the french threatened them with massacre if they took the oath while the british declared that they would forfeit their farms if they refused the truth is that the british did not wish to press the alternative to drive out the acadians would be to strengthen the neighboring french colony of cape breton to force on them the oath might even cause a rising which would overwhelm the few english in nova scotia so the tradition never formally accepted by the british grew up that while the acadians owed obedience to george the second they would be neutral in case of war with france a common name for them used by the british themselves was that of the neutral french in time of peace the acadians could be left to themselves when however war broke out between britain and france the question of loyalty became acute such war there was in seventeen forty four without doubt some acadians then helped the french but it was as they protested only under compulsion and as far as they could they seemed to have refused to aid either side the british muttered threats that subjects of their king who would not fight for him had no right to protection under british law even then feeling was so high that there was talk of driving the acadians from their farms and setting them adrift and these poor people trembled for their own fate when the british victors at louisbourg in seventeen forty five removed the french population to france assurances came from the british government however that there was no thought of molesting the acadians with the order as you were 
the dominant thought of the treaty of aix-la-chapelle in seventeen forty eight the highly organized and efficient champions of french policy took every step to ensure that in the next struggle the interests of france should prevail peace had no sooner been signed than versailles was working in nova scotia on the old policy the french priests taught that eternal perdition awaited the catholic acadians who should accept the demands of the heretic english the indians continued their savage threats blood is thicker than water and no doubt the natural sympathies of the acadians were with the french but the british were now formidable for them the founding of halifax in seventeen forty nine had made all the difference they too had a menacing fortress at the door of the acadians and their tone grew sterner as a result the acadians were told that if by october fifteenth seventeen forty nine they had not taken an unconditional oath of allegiance to george the second they should forfeit their rights and their property the treasured farms on which they and their ancestors had toiled the acadians were in acute distress if they yielded to the english not only would their bodies be destroyed by the savage micmac indians but their immortal souls they feared would be in danger the abbe le loutre was the parish priest of the acadian village of beaubassin on chignecto bay and also missionary to the micmac indians whose chief village lay in british territory not many miles from halifax british officials of the time denounced him as a determined fanatic who did not stop short of murder as in most men there was in le loutre a mingling of qualities he was arrogant domineering and intent on his own plans he hated the english and their heresy and he preached to his people against them with frantic invective he incited his indians to bloodshed but he also knew pity the custom of the indians was to consider prisoners taken by them as their property and on one occasion le loutre himself paid ransom to the indians for thirty-seven english captives and returned them to halifax it is certain that the french government counted upon the influence of french priests to aid its political designs my masters god and the king was a phrase of the sulpician father piquet working at this time on the st lawrence le loutre could have echoed the words he was an ardent politician and france supplied him with both money and arms to induce the indians to attack the english the savages haunted the outskirts of halifax waylaid and scalped unhappy settlers and in due course were paid from louisbourg according to the number of scalps which they produced the deliberate intention was to make new english settlements impossible in nova scotia and so to discourage the english that they should abandon halifax all this intrigue occurred in seventeen forty nine and the years following the treaty of peace if the english suffered so did the acadians the loutre told them that if once they became british subjects they would lose their priests and find their religion suppressed acadians who took the oath would he said be denied the sacraments of the church he would also turn loose on the offenders the murderous savages 
whom he controlled if pressed by the english the acadians rather than yield must abandon their lands and remove into french territory at this point arises the question as to what were the limits of this french territory in yielding acadia in seventeen thirteen france had not defined its boundaries the english claimed that it included the whole region stretching northeastward to the gulf of st lawrence from the frontier of new england the french however said that acadia meant only the peninsula of nova scotia ending at the isthmus between Baivert and the bay of chignecto and for years a canadian force stood there on guard daring the british to put a foot on the north side of the little river missaguash which the french said was the international boundary there was much excitement among the acadians in seventeen fifty when an english force landed on the isthmus and proceeded to throw up defences on the south side of the river this outpost which in due time became fort lawrence was placed on what even the french admitted to be british territory forthwith on a hill two or three miles away on the other side of the supposed boundary the french built fort beauséjour le loutre was on the spot blustering and menacing he told his acadian parishioners of the little village of beaubassin near fort lawrence and within the british area that rather than accept english rule they must now abandon their lands and seek the protection of the french at fort beauséjour with his own hands he set fire to the village church the houses of the acadians were also burned a whole district was laid waste by fire women and children suffered fearful privations but what did such things matter in view of the high politics of the priest and of france during four or five years the hostile forts confronted each other in time of peace there was war the french made beauséjour a solid fort for it still stands little altered though it has been abandoned for a century and a half it was chiefly the acadians nominal british subjects who built these thick walls the arrogant micmacs demanded that the british should hand over to them the best half of nova scotia and they emphasized their demand by treachery and massacre one day a man in the uniform of a french officer followed by a small party approached fort lawrence waving a white flag captain howe with a small force went out to meet him as this party advanced indians concealed behind a dyke fired and killed howe and eight or ten others such ruses were well fitted to cause among the english a resolve to enforce severe measures the fire burned slowly but in the end it flamed up in a cruel and relentless temper french policy too showed no pity the governor of canada and the colonial minister in france were alike insistent that the english should be given no peace and cared nothing for the sufferings of the unhappy acadians between the upper and the nether millstone at last in seventeen fifty five the english accomplished something decisive they sent an army to fort lawrence attacked fort beaux Sejour, forced its timid commander vergeur to surrender mastered the whole surrounding country and obliged le loutre himself to fly to quebec there he embarked for france the english captured him on the sea 
however and the relentless and cruel priest spent many years in an english prison his later years when he reached france do him some credit by that time the acadians had been driven from their homes there were nearly a thousand exiles in england the loutre tried to befriend these helpless people and obtained homes for some of them in the parish of belle isle en mer in france in the meantime the price of le loutre's intrigues and of the outrages of the french and their indian allies was now to be paid by the unhappy acadians during the spring and summer of seventeen fifty five the british decided that the question of allegiance should be settled at once and that the acadians must take the oath there was need of urgency the army at fort lawrence which had captured fort beauséjour was largely composed of men from new england and these would wish to return to their homes for the winter if the acadians remained and were hostile the country thus occupied at laborious cost might quickly revert to the french already many acadians had fought on the side of the french and some of them disguised as indians had joined in savage outrage a french fleet and a french army were reported as likely to arrive before the winter in fact france's naval power with its base at louisbourg was still stronger than that of britain with its base at halifax when the acadians were told in plain terms that they must take the oath of allegiance they firmly declined to do so without certain limitations involving guarantees that they should not be arrayed against france the governor at halifax major charles lawrence was a stern relentless man without pity and his mind was made up surely governor of massachusetts was in touch with lawrence the acadians should be deported if they would not take the oath this step however the government at london never ordered on the contrary as late as on august thirteenth seventeen fifty five lawrence was counselled to act with caution prudence and tact in dealing with the neutrals as the acadians are called even in this official letter meanwhile without direct warrant from london lawrence and his council at halifax had taken action his reasoning was that of a direct soldier the acadians would not take the full oath of british citizenship very well quite obviously they could not be trusted already they had acted in a traitorous way prolonged war with france was imminent since acadians who might be allied with the savages could attack british posts they must be removed to replace them british settlers could in time be brought into the country the thing was done in the summer and autumn of seventeen fifty five colonel robert monckton a regular officer son of an irish peer who always showed an ineffable superiority to provincial officers serving under him was placed in charge of the work he ordered the male inhabitants of the neighbourhood of beauséjour to meet him there on the tenth of august only about one-third of them came some four hundred he told them that the government at halifax now declared them rebels their lands and all other goods were forfeited they themselves were to be kept in prison not yet however was made known to them the decision that they were to be treated as traitors of whom the province must be rid no attempt was made anywhere to distinguish loyal from disloyal acadians lawrence gave orders to the military officers to clear the country of all acadians 
to get them by any necessary means on board the transports which would carry them away and to burn their houses and crops so that those not caught might perish or be forced to surrender during the coming winter at the moment the harvest had just been reaped or was ripening when the stern work was done at grand pre at pisiquid now windsor at annapolis there were harrowing scenes in command of the work at grand pre was colonel winslow an officer from massachusetts some of whose relatives twenty-five years later were to be driven because of their loyalty to the british king from their own homes in boston to this very land of acadia winslow issued a summons in french to all the male inhabitants down to lads of ten to come to the church at grand pre on friday the fifth of september to learn the orders he had to communicate those who did not appear were to forfeit their goods no doubt many acadians did not understand the summons few of them could read and it hardly mattered to them that on one occasion a notice on the church door was posted upside down some four hundred anxious peasants appeared winslow read to them a proclamation to the effect that their houses and lands were forfeited and that they themselves and their families were to be deported five vessels from boston lay at grand pre in time more ships arrived but chill october had come before winslow was finally ready by this time the acadians realized what was to happen the men were joined by their families as far as possible the people of the same village were kept together they were forced to march to the transports a sorrow-laden company women carrying babes in their arms old and decrepit people borne in carts young and strong men dragging what belongings they could gather winslow's task as he says lay heavy on his heart and hands it hurts me to hear their weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth by the first of november he had embarked fifteen hundred unhappy people his last shipload he sent off on the thirteenth of december the suffering from cold must have been terrible in all from grand pre and other places more than six thousand acadians were deported they were scattered in the english colonies from maine to georgia and in both france and england many died many helpless in new surroundings sank into decrepit pauperism some reached people of their own blood in the french colony of louisiana and in canada a good many returned from their exile in the colonies to their former home after the seven years war had ended to-day their descendants form an appreciable part of the population of nova scotia new brunswick and prince edward island the cruel act did one thing effectively it made nova scotia safe for the british cause in the attack that was about to be directed against canada End of chapter seven